Well, last week we looked at the subject of the parables of Jesus, as we have been for weeks. And uh, I don't know about you, but I'm enjoying learning a lot about the parables of Christ, the stories that he told, and applying them to our lives and everyday application with a great Christian and godly emphasis. As we look at the parables, we find that there's a great deal of meat in them. There's a great deal of biblical interpretation and application for our lives that we may become stronger individuals in our walk with Jesus Christ. Last week, we studied the parable of the unmerciful servant following the grace that God had shown him, and yet he uh, did not apply it to his life in a way that showed love and care. We are finding that the disciples did not understand that it was and it is the unmerited grace of God. It's not wealth, it's not position, it's not works that open the doors to heaven. And knowing that Jesus needed to correct this misunderstanding that the disciples had and perhaps many of the people, he tells them parables. Parables that they can understand with application and, and ingredients of everyday life activities, animals, and, and different products that the people use. Today, we look at a lengthy parable. But before you get too nervous, this will not be a lengthy sermon. It is a longer parable. It's only found in the Gospel of Matthew. And Jesus tells the parable of the labors in the vineyard in response to a question that Peter asked Jesus. Peter asked the question, and he points out to the Lord, he says, you know, we've left everything to follow you. We've given it all up. <clears throat> we've been following you faithfully. And basically, the question is, what's in it for me? What's going to happen to me? And Peter wanted to know what reward would be given to those who have faithfully followed Jesus and given up everything, just like many of you listeners today and those of us that are here in this place. As I look out and see servants of the Lord, some of you are much younger, and then there are those of you that have been serving Jesus Christ for years. This is a hall of fame and some respects because we have wonderful missionaries in this room. We have those that have pastored great churches and those who have led in districts and those who have led in our movement and had places of great leadership. You've been doing it for a long time and as, as I have interaction with you, I respect you and what God has done in your life. But Peter wants to know what rewards What's going to be given to me when it's all over <clears throat> because I followed you so faithfully, Jesus? And in response, Jesus explains the truths about the kingdom of heaven. You remember the parables that we've looked at. He starts out and says, the kingdom of heaven is like this. Well, this particular parable is one that is found in Matthew, the 20th chapter, verses 1 through 16. 16 verses. Let's take a look at it this morning. Once again, Jesus says, for the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner 
who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day, and he sent them into his vineyard. About nine in the morning, he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He told them, you also go and you work in my vineyard, and I'm going to pay you whatever is right. So they went. He went out again about noon, and about three o'clock in the afternoon, did the same thing. About five in the afternoon, he went out and he found still others standing around, and he asked them, why have you been standing here all day long doing nothing? Because no one has hired us, they answered. And he said to them, you also go and work in my vineyard. And when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going on to the first. The workers who were hired about five in the afternoon came and each received a denarius. So when those came who were hired first, they expected to receive more, but each of them also received a denarius. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. These who were hired last worked only one hour, they said, and you've made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work in the heat of the day. But he answered one of them, I'm not being unfair to you, friend. Didn't you agree to work for a Daenerys? Take your pay and go. I want to give the one who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first and the first will be last. I can identify with this uh, parable somewhat, a little bit. I've had a wonderful privilege through my ministry to be able to travel in various places in this world. And that sounds luxurious, but when you have 20 or 30 people following you and you're in charge of them, it's a day's work. One of the things that I do on our mission trips, and I think of a time in the country of Mexico, a standard uh, day is that of using the missionary's truck or whatever truck I can use, and I run the city to get supplies to keep our teams working. And especially in third world countries, that becomes somewhat of a task because in some cases, communication problems. Other cases, I thank God that before GPSs, I had a GPS in my head. And I could always find a place because I would look at how many cars were on the blocks at a certain house, and that's where I took a right, or how many dead dogs were in the street at this place, that's where I took a left. Well, one day I took a wrong turn. I was down in the village of a city in Mexico, and I went down a street that looked like there was a lot of excitement, but I had no way of turning back. When I took that left turn, it was by the town square. And before I knew it, I had eight people in my pickup truck. Around six or seven in the back, and one actually jumped in the cab with me. What in the world did I do? 
I couldn't communicate with them, so I had to get somebody to tell these guys, get out of my truck. Well, what I found out that they were day workers. They see a white guy coming down the street in this truck that looked halfway decent. Well, there's money in the bank for us. So the next thing I know, they're loaded into my vehicle only to be told to get out. Day workers. You know, as we look at this parable this morning, we have to understand that planting, maintaining and harvesting vineyards in the first century of Israel, it was tough work. It was strenuous work. It required hard physical labor in the heat of the summer like we are experiencing here in Missouri right now. Today, the heat will go up into the 90s. Can you imagine working in a vineyard? And often during the day, additional laborers were required to get the work done. The owner of this particular vineyard that we look at today that Jesus told about went to the marketplace at the first hour of the morning. He goes at 6 a.m. to find workers for the day. He offers wages of one denarius. Now, a denarius is a pretty good wage. Because at that time, it was the wage of a Roman soldier. It was the wage of the day, which equals today about 75 cents. Now, some of you are saying, well, that sounds like my job. 75 cents a day. That was good money. Some did not even ask, didn't even ask what... Uh, what the wage was because they trusted the individual. They trusted the person that was hiring them that they would be well cared for. One Daenerys. The workers in the first group were more happy to work for that generous wage. They sign up, they go, and they work. There's four other groups, though. There is that 9 a.m. group, the 12 noon group, the 3 p.m. group, the 5 p.m. group. At the end of the day, the owner of the vineyard asked the foreman, he said, get, get the folks together and let's pay them so they can be off and running. That was not unusual because people were so poor during this time that it was very um, common for them to be paid at the end of the day. They needed the money to make it until the next day. And those hired at the end of the day, they received one denarius and when it when it was finally the first group's turn to get paid, they expected to be paid more. But we're also paid one denarius. They begin to complain to the landowner. Now, if there were such things as unions during this time, they probably would have gone to the union steward and said, hey, this is really unfair practice. You see, We've worked all day, but yet you pay these last guys the same amount of money that um, you're paying us. I'm sure the next day the place would have been shut down or people would have been picketing the place. The landowner in the story that Jesus tells us says, hey, friends, I'm not taking advantage of you. You guys agreed on a wage. And now take your pay and go home. It's my choice to pay this last group the same wage that I paid you. It's not against the law for me to do what I want with my own money. And then he says, are you envious 
because of my generosity. Thus the last shall be first in the first last. Or maybe better said, the last shall be first and the first equal. So what are the lessons that we can learn from this parable? The first thing that we must learn is that the landowner here represents Jesus. The landowner is the master. Now, considering there were no cameras during this time, um, I'm using some illustrations today that may look like they came out of a coloring book, but you know, some of us are so visual, we have to see this. You can picture the landowner pointing to the vineyard and saying, hey, this is where I need the work done. The landowner here went looking for people to hire. He went in search for them. Sounds familiar? Sure. If we go all the way back to the book of Genesis, we find that God is a searcher. We find in Genesis, the third chapter, verse number nine, then the Lord God called to the man and said, where are you? God's been searching for years. And throughout the story, it's the landowner who was proactively searching for workers. And when he found them, he invites them to join the team. I want you to be part of this group, to work in the vineyard for a set wage. He just didn't do this once. He did it all day long. He went back, more workers. And at the end of the day, each group receives the promised wage. The landowner made no distinction between the groups. They all received the same um, compensation. Salvation. A relationship with Jesus Christ that I hope that every one of us has, has been extended to everyone. And that includes those who first believe as well as those who believe at last minute. The reward is the same. Eternity with Jesus Christ. As far as I know, I was the first one in my family to accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I prayed for years for my family that they would come to that saving relationship of Jesus Christ. And then finally it started happening. My nephew found a relationship with Jesus Christ. My two sisters accepted Christ. And I drilled them. I asked them. I prayed with them. And I'm sure in my heart that they accepted Christ. My dad on his deathbed, when I prayed with my dad, the last conversation I had with him was, Dad, I'll be back this afternoon, but before I leave, let me pray with you. And he had accepted Christ before that time, but I wanted to reemphasize that. And I prayed with him there at a nursing home. And when I said amen, he never opened his eyes again. You see, God gave me that opportunity and that assurance that eternity was within their lives. In the book of Genesis, the 15th chapter, the sixth verse, Abram believed the Lord, the scripture said, and he credited it to him as righteousness. In Luke 23, 
verses 42 through 43. The man on the cross said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered him and said, I tell you the truth. Today you will be with me in paradise. That's the extravagant generosity of the Savior that you and I serve or the Savior that is seeking your heart today. The landowner is Jesus Christ. Now, who are these laborers? Who are the employees? Who are the workers? It's you. It's me. It's each one of us. As we go into that vineyard and we do the work, the original team had a problem. Why did they have a problem? Well, they started at six o'clock in the morning, like Charlie Arsenal. But then the one who was hired at five, like my sisters, maybe like my nephew. You see, they focused on what they had done compared with what the latter team members had done and concluded they were entitled to more compensation because they had worked all day while the others had only worked for one hour. We serve a gracious God. Those that may be confused at this moment, you may have spiritual unrest. Those that have been raised in a Christian home, but you've never taken that step on your own. Those of you that may be comparing yourself with your grandmother or your grandparent or a saint, that has lived an example of Jesus Christ in front of you. It doesn't discount the fact that the landowner is seeking you. The landowner is is touching your heart today. You see, you and I, today, we live in a merit-based world. In other words, if you work eight hours, you receive eight hours worth of pay, and if you work more than eight hours, you get time and a half. And if you work for only one hour, you definitely do not receive an eight-hour wage. If you think you have to make it on works, you may feel like you're out of time. But you see, this is how the world operates, and we can get upset if someone gets more than what we feel they deserve. Lord, help us. And that is the position of the first group in this parable. Even though they had been paid exactly what they had been promised to pay, and there was no sense of gratitude towards the landowner, they forgot the fact that they would still be standing on the corner, still be standing in front of the the town square if the landlord had not come looking for them. And it was because of the, the, um, the generosity of the landowner in his invitation that they were getting a paycheck at all. And they were not part of the team because of who they were, but because of who the landowner was. Jesus Christ came to them. There's another part of this story that I see, uh, and I guess if you're like me, if you read something two or three times, and you can reread a parable, especially a couple times, and you can come up with a slightly different angle on it. Some of you theologians have already talked to me about that. 
but you didn't tell me I was, it was heresy. You just were interested in how I came up with that angle. You see, this does not mean, of course, that the parable can mean anything you want it to mean, but there's some complexity in these parables. They are stories that Jesus so um, wonderfully put together in, in perhaps this parable in particular. And it, it strikes us in some way or another. And something particular jumps out at me when I look at this parable. And it's the word envy. Envy. Maybe in some translations this word is even used in the text. But first, the, the, the parable of the laborers in the vineyard is about the 10th commandment. I looked at the 10th commandment again today. You see, we have the 10 commandments hanging in the hallway of our home when you walk in. There's kind of a crude looking board there and nothing against my wife, but she did it by hand. And she wrote out the 10 commandments and she has a little note on there that the fact that it was taken out of courthouses in the year of such and such, but this is going to hang in our house. So today, I looked at the 10th commandment. The 10th commandment says, Thou shall not covet anything that is thy neighbor's. In a very real sense, this parable is, is about coveting. Coveting lies in the heart of this parable in a couple of ways. First, we, we, we cover what God chooses to give to others. A, a parable is essentially an elaborate um, analogy where you and I are invited to see ourselves in the story and then apply it to our own lives. So the, the, the wages at stake here are not actually daily wages, by the way. The 75 cents is... It's, it's just a thought. It's something for us to relate to. Uh, these vineyard laborers, what they receive is forgiveness. Life. They receive salvation for the believer in a relationship with Jesus Christ. One believer to another. And covetousness is a problem here. The point here isn't necessarily that other folks receive blessings from God that we don't. It's that they get more or they get better or lovelier gifts from God than perhaps what we may get. And the problem is, is that they get the same as us. And sometimes we feel like they don't deserve that. Or just plain, we think, hey, they're less worthy. They're sinners. Uh, look at the life that they're living. They're late arrivers. And they don't deserve the same as we get, and maybe something, but certainly not equal to what we get. I think the other thing is, is that we sometimes have a tendency to cover it and to be resentful of what others receive from God. You see, the, owners, the owner of the vineyard asks those who have worked the longest and, and probably the hardest he says to them, am I not allowed in verse number 15 to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or are you envious? Are you envious because I am so generous? We serve a generous God. The point is, is that God's grace, God's mercy and forgiveness are God's to give away as God sees fit. 
Now, we can, we can see that um, um, there are times that maybe we think that God is too generous. When I look at this parable, I'm reminded of the Old Testament character of Jonah. You remember Jonah? Jonah was one who, uh, he ran away because he was avoiding, he was avoiding a call on his life, a call to deliver a message of forgiveness to Nineveh, and he, he runs. And this parable reminds me of this because Jonah complains to God. He complains to them. He says, for I know that you're a gracious God. In, in, in Jonah, the fourth chapter, the second verse, I know that you're gracious and you're abounding in steadfast love and you're ready to relent from punishing. And surely this cannot be for them. And here we find that Jonah had just made a, his relationship with the Lord and deliverance was given to him himself. He experienced it himself and now he rejects the good news that God has for others the parable of the labors in the vineyard is about coveting envy as we see and it's about uh, God's grace and the great work that God does and he applies it to our lives but perhaps maybe it shouldn't be applied to others do you sometimes think when you're um, looking at your neighbor's car and you see that they got such a nice new car and you're saddened because you have to drive your tin can. Or maybe ladies, uh, sometimes you may go to the mall and you see another beautiful lady and you think, man, why can't that be me? You know, just why couldn't that be reversed? I wish it was the other way around. Or if you're in some type of spiritual ministry and you go on Facebook and you start reading about God's outpouring, you don't even have to be in a ministry, a Christian, and you see, oh, all this great stuff that's happening to everybody else, but whoa, it's not happening to you. How in the world does this happen to them despite my years of service and serving Jesus Christ? That's envy. And envy can be deadly. Or if you prefer a scriptural quotation, there's a good one that's found in Proverbs, the fourth chapter and verse number 30, when it comes to envy. And it says, a heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. It rots our bones. I think the disciples had the same problem. You see, they were consistently preoccupied with their preferred status. I got a preferred status this week. I joined the Costco club. And I got a executive card. <clears throat> I didn't realize I had to pay $60 more for that card. But I get 4% back. So if any of you need anything at Costco, use my card because uh, I probably won't buy enough to get that back. But, you know, it was impulsive. But I got this executive status. <clears throat> the other day, I recently learned that when I was checking my bags in at American, they forgot to collect the money from my bags. I thought. But then when I brought it up, I found out I was gold status. Things change. Well, what does that mean? Well, you can get on the plane first and 
you get a bag free and maybe if there's an upgrade, which there was, I experienced my first upgrade. I sat in first class for like a 20 minute flight and um, <laughs> so I got, I got upgraded. And that stuff comes and goes, you know, as quick as you get it, it can disappear too. And there's other things that you and I have all experienced. You know, you may belong to some club and you have some special status. The disciples are thinking about their status. They cherish the spirit of self-exaltation and superiority and constantly made comparisons with each other. We read about it in the scripture, which motivates Christ, by the way, to share this parable with them. In Luke, the ninth chapter, verse number 46, and an argument among them as to who might be the greatest status. Luke 22, 24, and there arose also a dispute among them to which one of them was regarded as the greatest. The disciples had forgotten that their status had nothing to do with them and everything to do with Jesus Christ. May we understand that spiritually. And that was then and it is now. And Christians face the same temptations towards entitlement and self-promotion. Therefore, this parable applies to Charlie Arsenal today. It applies to each one of us. I close by sharing with you a classic story that uh, Dwight L. Moody often told. It was a story about an eagle. This eagle supposedly was envious. Envious of another eagle that could fly much better than he could. And one day the bird saw a sportsman. The sportsman had a bow and an arrow and he said to him, you know, I wish that you could bring that eagle down. So the man said that he would but he'd have to have some feathers for his arrow. And so the envious eagle started pulling one feather time out of its wings. The arrow was shot, but it didn't quite reach the other eagle because it was flying too high. So the first eagle kept pulling these feathers out to provide arrows until he had lost so many of his feathers, he couldn't even fly himself. And the archer took advantage of the whole situation, turned around, and killed this helpless bird. Now, those of you that are animal lovers, please, no emails. This is, I'm just telling you a story from Dwight Moody to make a point. The moral of this story and every other story about envy is this. If you are envious of others, the one you will hurt the most by your actions, will be yourself. Let's thank God for those who are coming into the kingdom. The parable of the labor in the vineyard is about the first and the last. The parable itself displays a reversal of expectations that we may carry in our life. The last will be first and the first will be last. And notice the flow of the scripture here as the workers are compensated for their labor. This, this fascinates me. Now, I've done a lot in business, and I thank God for those that have set examples for me and shared great Christian uh, principles in business. 
But never have I seen something like this, where when it's time to pay the workers, the foreman begins with the last workers that were picked. And it's interesting to note that if he had paid the first workers first, none of this stuff would have happened. The first workers would have taken their Daenerys and they would have been on their way, but it had to have been torture for them to stand in the line after they worked all day and uh, they watch, everybody gets paid and the whole time the foreman is passing out the standard payment for a day's wages to the late workers, the early workers are probably thinking, whoa, This is going to be great. Look how much money he's given them. They've only been here for an hour, just a few hours, and then probably assume that they are going to receive so much more because of all the work that they've done. They must have been astonished when they received that same pay as everyone else. Naturally, I'm sure they were frustrated. They worked all day long, and the landowner had made those latecomers equal to them. We're reminded today that it's entirely possible to make sacrifices and difficult choices in our life, to service God faithfully, and to watch others slip into the kingdom during a deathbed conversion. And we've worked so hard all our lives And like the thief on the cross, they get to enter paradise by coming to Jesus in the last moments of life. The truth of grace is is that it's unbelievable goodness of God. And it's possible that someone could live a lifetime of, of, of service to Jesus Christ. Maybe you were raised on the pew of the church. And like these earthly laborers, uh, you could end up feeling like I've been cheated. But this is the wrong way to look at faithfulness. The wrong way. When we fully realize the lavish generosity of God's mercy, it's a game changer. In 1965, one of the great songwriters of our age wrote a a hymn, Bill Gaither, And the title of the hymn is, The Longer I Serve Him. The Longer I Serve Him. And I've asked this morning that Paul and Janelle would share that hymn with us. Because when we truly realize the lavish generosity of God's mercy, our lives will be changed. We'll stop focusing on what's fair and we'll begin to humbly appropriate God's unbelievable benevolence. And hopefully we will recognize that the early laborers missed that opportunity. It's a privilege to service God who is so kind and unselfish. And that the longer we serve him, the more that we love him, the closer we get to him. Thank God for his generosity and his grace.